Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis, and every so often, we are shocked and rocked by a murder case where a seemingly picture-perfect family is completely wiped out by a parent, mostly the father, in cold blood. Men tend to kill more than women, but there have been women mass murderers who have wiped out their entire families as well. Each case of a father who kills his family has a distinct set of influences. The men tend to be more controlling or view themselves as in charge of a family. Also, if they feel significantly threatened, the ones who are most at risk are men with a rigid sense of control or who feel desperate. And this is the case of Henry Segura, who didn't kill his wife and children. He killed his girlfriend, her children, and the son the two had together. Henry was a player. He had a different cell phone for his wife to call, and then he had a cell phone for his girlfriends. What, if any, phones did you have with you at that point? Um, I had my cell phone that my wife didn't know about with me. And what was that phone for? So when I was talking to girls or communicating with females and stuff like that. Did uh, Brandy know you had that? I'm sorry, did Malika know you had that phone? No, sir. And there were no communications from Brandy to that phone. Did Brandy have that number? The phone no, right no, no, I didn't give her that number. She just had my... Your main number? My main five. number, yeah. Why didn't you give Brandy your 408 number? She called, she liked to call too much. She would, if I didn't answer the phone, she gonna call until I pick it up. Basically. I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to have her calling while I was with another female and the phone just continued to ring, so. On November 20th, 2010, police in Tallahassee responded to the residence of 27-year-old Brandy Peters after a neighbor requested a well-being check on the family. Inside the home, officers found Peters fatally shot multiple times in the head, in the chest, and the bodies of her son, Javante, who was three, and her six-year-old twin daughters, Tamaya and Tanaya. They were submerged in a partially filled bathtub. Now, investigators determined that Tamaya, like her mom, was fatally shot while the other two children had been drowned. Based on the autopsy photos, Brandy Peters was shot multiple times, and it's very likely that she put up a fight when she was attacked. Evidence inside her house showed there were signs of a struggle, a broken fake nail, a fake plant that fell over, and blood spattered all over her foyer. The medical examiner says it's possible Peters was shot seven or eight times at close range. Four bullets were found in her body, in her head, ear, chest, and abdomen. Now, what we heard from Henry Segura was that Brandy was tenacious. She would call and call and call him. If he didn't pick up, she'd keep ringing. That's why he had the separate phone. So when he was with other women, Brandy wouldn't be blowing up his phone. Tends to kill the mood. Also, he didn't want his wife to know about her or the other women. Henry was not new to getting women pregnant and then having them come after him for child support. In fact, one girlfriend, Tamika, testified that Henry was ordered by the court to pay $20,000 in child support and that she had him put in jail and he lost his driver's license. She had his paychecks garnished and she felt that he had been working off the books, under the table, to avoid paying her child support for the daughter. So he knew the score. When he got women pregnant, they he'd have to pay. So eventually, he says that he used a condom with Brandy right before the murder, but not before he got her pregnant with their son, Javante. 
And Brandy was coming after him for child support, $20,000 again, the same amount that Tamika was after. And he learned his lesson from Tamika. He was even put in jail. So perhaps he was desperate enough to kill everybody. The theory was bolstered when DNA evidence collected from Peter's bedroom was determined to be a possible match with a known Colombian cocaine trafficker, Angel Avila Quinones. Avila Quinones denied allegations he had anything to do with Peter's murder, and her family dismissed the claims that the mother was ever involved in drug running. But this guy, James Santos, said he knew all about the murder because he ordered the murders. Here's his testimony. Mr. Santos, isn't it true that in this particular case you heard about the homicides? No, sir. That's not true. You hear about the homicides, and then you see publicity involving someone by the name of Angel Avila, and you decided at that point you were going to admit that you had involvement in this, and you sent Angel Avila in there to kill her, right? No, sir. Yeah, Santos told a whopper on the stand. He says he knew all about the murders because he ordered them. He said that he had a team kill Peters and her children after she stole about $100,000 from him. Santos told the jury that seven people were involved in the murders, which he ordered from prison, and he confessed seven years after the crime. He said he didn't want to get arrested for the murders, but he came forward when other gang members started to wonder if he was stealing from them as well. Prosecutors pointed out the inconsistencies from Santos over the years, as well as his diagnosis of being a schizophrenic and having multiple personalities. So in the summer of 2017, seven years after the murders, Segura was tried for the quadruple murder. But the judge declared a mistrial after the jury of 12 deadlocked. At that time, this was the first death penalty case in Tallahassee to be tried since Florida lawmakers required a unanimous decision for a death sentence. Here's Henry Segura on the stand talking about Brandy's mom and why he didn't want to show up at her house when mom was around. Why couldn't you go over there and just wait with her while her mom was there? Well, her mother knew that I was married and I feel I felt like she had an issue with the type of relationship me and Brandy had. She didn't approve of it? The extramarital no. deal? No, sir. And when I say she, I'm talking about Brandy's mom. Right. No, sir. So you didn't want to be there given that fact with Brandy's mom present? No, sir. So you've got two people, one of them married, and Brandy knows that he's married, and she's in a relationship with him, gets pregnant, and then asks for child support. It's kind of a repeating theme in his life. So he finally learned that he needed to put a condom on because he kept getting women pregnant. How long did it take for you and Brandy to hook up? Uh, not long, about 15, 20 minutes. And did you utilize any kind of prophylactic? Yes, sir. I used the condom. After that wrapped up, um, what happened next? Um, we went in the living room and watched television. Let me see. She called the kids in. The kids came in. Um, I tried to spend a little time with Javante, trying to interact with him a little bit. The girls went back outside to play. So he says he used a condom. If he had used a condom with all of his female friends, then he wouldn't have been in the position where he had to pay everyone child support. And maybe Brandy and her family would still be alive. Even though Henry seemed kind of nonchalant and proud of his dalliances, at first he didn't tell police that he had other girlfriends. He didn't think it was relevant. Did you see Brandy? Did you talk to Brandy? Did you talk to Brandy? 
What about these other girls? What about these other? I'm like, man, I didn't talk to anybody. I'm not cheating my wife. I ain't talked to nobody. I ain't talked to no other female. No nothing. If I would just told him, look, yes, I was cheating my wife. I was talking to Brandy. I talked to Natasha. I talked to Kim. I talked to all these different females. Then I think he would have seen it. I was telling the truth. And you know, like I said, I wouldn't be here today. That's what you think in retrospect. That's what I feel in retrospect. Um, but you, at the time, you lied to him, right? Yes. I mean, I didn't. I honestly didn't think that me lying to him about having sex with a bunch of different women would. You know, result in me being arrested for murder. I don't, know, I don't know. I just didn't feel like them knowing anything about who I'm having sex with had anything to do with somebody getting killed. Okay. You didn't think that would be relevant to their investigation? No, I didn't. He didn't think it would be relevant to an investigation about his girlfriend and her family being murdered. It's called motive. And don't lie to police because they will eventually find out. It's never a good idea. Then Henry testified about how he found out about the quadruple murder. Let's talk about the day after the murder. Um, how and when did you find out that Brandy and Javante had been killed? It was the day after the murders. Um, I went to my friend Adam's house. When I came home from his house, I had already planned to bring uh, my youngest son, uh, Malachi, to get his hair braided. So then how exactly did you find out about Brandy and Javante? When I called the girl who does my son's hair, she, she was actually braiding my hair and his hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was just doing his hair that day. So when I called her about getting his hair done, she, she told me what happened. During that conversation, did she already know that Javante was dead or not yet? <clears throat> no, she told me that um, people were saying that they believe Javante was with Kalo, uh, which is the guy who Brandy would sometimes tell me was Javante's daddy whenever me and her got into arguments. Okay, so at that point you believed Javante was still alive? Yes, sir. At some point did you find out that he was deceased as well? Uh, yes, sir. So when I called her to make the appointment, she told me about the incident. When I got my two sons to her house, and once I got in there, she pulled me to the side and let me know that he was in the house with them. Also, Henry said on the stand that he could not have committed these murders because he had a physical impairment. He had been shot. He was working in Alabama. His cousin called him from Long Beach, Mississippi to say he was having issues with some guys and wanted Henry to have his back. Well, when he arrived, a shootout ensued. By the way, Henry was in possession of a 32 caliber revolver. That's the exact same type of gun that was used to kill Brandy. Henry was shot July 31st, 2010. Tell me what the nature of your injuries were after you got shot. Um, I got shot like a, I guess it's like an inch under my heart. I can feel my heart beat when I touch the bullet hole. It was with a 45. Once I got shot, they removed the bullet out of my groin, so they had to cut. They had to do an incision like eight or nine inches from, I guess, the bottom of my chest all the way down past my belly button. That's what that big scar in the pictures we saw was from, that surgery? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, when was that surgery performed, roughly? July 31st. It was the day you were shot? Yeah. Okay. As of the time of the murders, in this case, did you have any physical limitations on you at that point? Uh, yes, I, I was on light duty. I couldn't you know, lift too much, too, too, too many heavy objects. Uh, I couldn't bend over. Like I can squat down, but I couldn't just bend over just head first. And why exactly was that? It still hurt my stomach when I just bend straight over. So you hadn't yet returned to lifting full weight or anything along those lines? No. So he couldn't have done it. He was shot. That was his defense. I could not have killed them because I was still recovering from a gunshot wound. I couldn't have bent over the bathtub and drowned those children. Ugh. 
So November 20th, 2019, nine years to the day that Peters and her children were murdered, Segura was finally convicted of their murders. The prosecutor, Jim Fuchs, said they were never going to drop the charges on this guy. We always felt that Mr. Segura was guilty of the charges. Um, We were not about to drop the charges, and so we persevered on and ended up with the result we did today. He says it doesn't make sense that anyone else committed this crime. There was no one else who had a motive and a 32 revolver. At some point, one plus one plus one equals three. By the way, the defense in the Henry Segura retrial opted to have only six jurors rather than 12, so there would be less of a chance for a hung jury. The chances of a hung jury go up with a greater number of jurors. Remember, the first trial with 12 jurors ended in a hung jury. From the time Henry Segura was charged with the quadruple murders, he pled not guilty. He said he didn't do it. And his first trial in 2017 ended in a mistrial with a jury deadlocked. And although it was brought up in the second trial that a drug cartel was responsible for the quadruple murder, he was ultimately found guilty of the four first-degree murder charges. In fact, during the sentencing phase, the defense attorney told the judge that Segura never wanted to avoid the death penalty. The judge then turned to Segura for confirmation. Do you wish for them to make an argument in opposition of the death penalty? This was Circuit Judge James Hankinson. No, I do not, Segura said. And what is your thinking on that? I'm thinking whoever's responsible for these crimes deserves the death penalty. If they feel I'm guilty, then they should sentence me to death. So you understand by taking this action, it's going to increase the likelihood that the jury will come back and recommend death. And ultimately, I would order the death penalty if they recommend. Segura said, yes. And that's what you want to happen, the judge asked? Yes, said Segura. But ultimately, the jury called for life in prison for Henry Segura, even though Henry had told the judge that they should sentence him to death. And in November of 2021, appellate judges in Tallahassee upheld the life sentences for convicted quadruple murderer Henry Segura, saying that they would not substitute their opinion for the jury's verdict. The unanimous opinion by the three-judge panel upheld Segura's 2019 life sentences for the gruesome murders of Brandy Peters, her twin six-year-old daughters, and his own three-year-old son. Segura is currently in his early 40s and serving a life sentence in a Florida prison. My take on this guy is that he's very intelligent. He's in control of his emotions, especially when he was testifying on the stand. But he said that he was taught to not have emotion that men don't cry. Now, there's been talk about the fact that you didn't show a lot of emotion during your interview with Investigator Lewis. Um, Can you just kind of tell us what your feelings were, uh, how you were processing their deaths and all that um, at the time that you were doing your interview with Investigator Lewis? Well, well, first of all, when she first told me it happened with uh, Brandy and the twins, you know, I already had my sons in the truck with me. And, you know, I felt... I felt flabbergasted, but you know I couldn't, I couldn't just pull over and cry because I had my sons in the truck with me. You know, I raised them from day one. You know, men not supposed to cry, so I held my tears in. You know, I kept moving forward. Are you talking about that's how you were raised, or that's how your boys are raised? That's how I was raised, but that's how I raised them because that's how I was raised. Brandy and her children obviously did not deserve to be killed, and she did deserve to have child support. What she didn't know was that she was dealing with a man who was controlling and that she had pushed him over the edge. He became a family annihilator. Well, that wraps up this episode of Full Rigor. 
Please check me out on Instagram at Full Rigor Podcast. And also, don't forget to download and subscribe and give me five stars if you liked it. Thanks for listening. Until next time.